0: to spark your fire podcast content discussed on this podcast is general in nature please seek specific advice from qualified professionals now let's start with the quote of the week but for all of you guys out here it's never about a dream i see a lot of people telling me i'm chasing my dream i'm gonna tell you about a dream it's real simple wake up and live it make it your reality
1: G'day guys, welcome back to another Friday wrap. Um, this is uh, well, we're already coming off um, Easter good in well into April mid April now by the time this recording goes on air. Um, I have to say 2021 flies just as quickly as 2020. I don't know whether that was me or uh, John, what do you reckon? <laughs> are you feeling the same?
0: <laughs> they say the the years are short and the days are long, so it definitely feels
1: like uh, time's flying. Yeah, and I think it's keeping everyone busy at the moment as well. Um, and that's another that's another factor, right? I, I reckon I look at twenty twenty as a lost year to a degree, just because um, everyone's working from home, and when you work from home, it feels like every day's the same, and all of a sudden. The whole year's gone by yeah. when you realize it's like hmm, is it, was it really a year last year that uh, <laughs> sometimes i ask myself but let me step back sorry john how are you um i've got I'm, uh, I'm great i'm <laughs> great must be friday good to, good to see you yeah it is the friday feeling um but uh, yeah unfortunately jazz could not join us today Um uh, it's got some personal matters to attend to so um it's me and John flying solo again, which means it's going to be another proper galore discussion, <laughs> which we all love. That's an answer. <laughs> love Let's it. Do it, love it, love it. All right, so, um, so I think before we kick off the main topic this week, I uh, just want to quickly cover, I guess, the main headlines uh, this week. So the. ABS, which is the Australian Bureau of Statistics, have released the unemployment, the latest unemployment data in March. Um, and look, at a holistic level, everything's looking very, very positive. The unemployment rate in March has now decreased to 5.6% from 58 in February 2021. So that's 0.02%, sorry, 0.2% drop. The participation rate has increased from 66.1% in February to 66.3%. Okay, so that's again uh, a good change, and more more people are getting into the workforce. The employment has. Increased uh, as well. The employment to population ratio increased. In other words, the people who is employed in terms of population ratio has also increased uh, in that sense. So it's a bit of a dry data there, but I'm just going to quickly go through as well. Uh, The key ones is the uh, participation rate, 66.3%. I think John um, will get you to elaborate that a bit more. Um, And the underemployment rate has decreased to 7.9% from 8.5 so um so yeah look um in general you know those are I mean those are just numbers uh, and we've got our job keeper that's uh that's obviously coming off last month so April figures will be crucial um, in terms of whether whether we're going to see a spike or not uh, that's yet to be verified but at least up until the end of March we can certainly see the stimulus uh, which government has been pushing out is is is, is doing really well um, and uh, Australia is um, employment and economy is bouncing back strong as at this point in time. So John, have you got any thoughts on on those figures? Uh, it's good news it's good news. I mean I, I guess there are two ways that I look at this and the f- the first
0: thing is and there are two observations at least. The first thing is that uh it is it, it is the first unemployment numbers that coincide with the uh withdrawal of the job keeper and job seeker which you, which you mentioned. So th- this is this is sort of keenly awaited data, mm-hmm. and with the unemployment rate down, it either means that you know people have stopped looking, or um, or people have found jobs. But it's positive. Um, it, it suggests that if if you take away the safety nets to some degree, at least uh, uh, that that people will. Um, innovate and find and find employment. And that seems to be what's happening. The job keeper and job seekers get being pulled in and people are, are moving into the workforce mm. potentially reluctantly, or, but, other, but it's good. It's good. Um, the other thing I, I look at is the participation rate and the participation rate is up. So I guess it sort of speaks to that previous point about whether people are dropping out or, or finding jobs, yep. The participation rate is up, which means that people are finding jobs and not dropping out. So it's really, really positive. It's really positive. Um, uh, interestingly, and, and this is probably a demographic point, but um, the the participation rate in, you know, 2021 is about 66%, which is low, which is low. And in like the 80s, it was about 80%. Mm. So there is a broad problem with how productive our, our society is that not enough people are participating in the, in the labour force, but there might be a, a demographic issue as well with baby boomers, uh, you know, not... Um, you know maybe stepping back from the workforce so i can't put my finger on what it is but um but that's an
1: interesting point as well would that uh, would that percentage be impacted by the i guess the increase in population in comparison to what we have nowadays to the 80s do you reckon
0: um Possibly, you know, we measure a lot of this stuff differently than we did in the eighties. We measure unemployment mm-hmm. rates differently. Uh, we measure inflation differently. So it, it could be it could be the way we measure it. Um, but if we if we had sort of the participation rate we did um, in the, you know the previous generation, the unemployment rate would be higher. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: but that's good. I think the key message here is uh, you know certainly we are the Australia's economy and unemployment is looking bright um, and which leads to a very interesting point because I know that um, RBA has kind of made a bit of a promise to say the interest rate's not going to go back up until yeah. we're seeing an impl- uh, unemployment um, <laughs> decrease to the level and also the inflation to a level which they are satisfied. However, at this rate in time, I wonder whether he will be or whether the RBA will be reviewing that decision in the sh- in much shorter timeframe than, um, than, than they promised for three years. Mm. yeah well i think that I think that's a good point
0: uh and I think there's there's a lot of concerns about overheating in some parts of the economy mm. but it'll all depend on the currency because uh, you know the the interest rate's not really there just to manage the level of investment and activity in the economy it's there to measure uh, it's there to sort of arbitrate the currencies you know and so yep. uh, th- they're not going to want the Aussie dollar to get too strong and as we've said before in this podcast um there's a bit of a a, a commodity boom brewing and that'll be very uh aussie dollar positive so if they're putting interest rates up during a commodity boom the aussie dollar is going to soar and i think they want to keep a lid on that so mm. my my sus- i suspect that uh they're not going to raise interest rates uh quickly or easily they're going to want to keep the aussie dollar suppressed
1: uh, as much as they can Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like basically when everyone else is still printing money, they can't just, yeah, that's they, can, right. they can't go the other way basically. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, so that's a quick update in terms of the unemployment figures. Um, and I guess uh, I, we'll probably start jumping, jump straight into our main topic uh, for discussion this week then. Um, so the main discussion point this week we want to talk about is actually revolves around um, and, and a guy called Tom Panos which, uh, you know, I think he's an auctioneer uh, himself and also a real estate agent, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, he's made a bold statement about, is the real estate boom already running out of steam? Okay, so when everyone else saying at the moment, this is just the beginning of the cycle, you know, we only said the at the early stages, he's obviously jumped out and, 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 and made such a bold statement. Um, look, I, I probably will get John to introduce who Tom Panos is, just to give our listeners a bit of context who this guy is, um, and uh, also a bit of context around the article that he's published.
0: Yeah, thanks, David. Yeah, so so Tom Panos, I think you introduced him, him really well. He's a he's a very very high profile real yep. estate. Guy based in Sydney, you know, grew up in Belmore. He uh, he's an auctioneer. He is a real estate coach, um, Which, a okay. highly sought after real estate coach, oh,
1: yeah.
0: and, and uh, I think you know once upon a time a real estate agent, but he, but he's he's mainly an auctioneer these days. So v- very much an insider's insider. He knows the market. He's um, he, he's running these auctions, uh, and he's dealing with real estate agents every day. Uh, you know, trying to get the best out of those guys. So he's a really interesting guy. Really knows his stuff, and he wrote this article uh, as he said, David's called "Is the Real Estate Boom Already Running Out of Steam?" And he uh, just to just to sort of frame the article, and I'll quote a, a sentence. He said, "Quote the hot property balloon up in the sky has begun to leak some air," and then he says, oh, "I think it has plateaued," um, and he says, "The craziness, uh, the craziness is coming to an end," um, and he 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 believes this based on four. Uh, four points that we can go through, wow. uh, David. But um, the four points are, and I'll, I'll rattle them off quickly, and then we can talk about each one. But he said, firstly, uh, one, there are more properties sold prior to auction, and he's saying that if you if a property sold prior to auction, it means there's only one person interested. Whereas if there's multiple people interested, they would take it to auction. Don't know if I agree with that, but that's point number one. Point number two is stock levels are increasing uh point number three is interest rates are creeping up and point number four is that fomo has a friend it's called the fear of overpaying which would be a foop
1: i think <laughs> for <laughs> one of those new terminologies that keeps on getting added into the in- into the industry isn't it so yeah but look it's interesting and
0: when tom panel speaks we should listen he, he's a smart guy he knows his stuff so uh what what do you what do you think david
1: Oh look, I think we we kick off with the with the four key discussion points. Then uh, in that case, um, so what's the first point? The um, the stock on the stock level.
0: Well, no, that was the po- that was the second point. The first point was that auction. more properties are sold prior to
1: auction. Ah, okay, okay. And his reasoning behind this was because the parties there's only one party that's interested in terms of attending the auction, mm. and therefore there's no point or no real point in terms of taking the property to auction, isn't it? Mm. Okay. That's the argument. Yeah. Um, I know, I know you, I know you, you meant you did mention that that was his, uh, viewpoint. So, uh, <laughs> I think I can kind of understand where you're coming from. Um, as someone who's kind of been on the ground and attending a few auctions myself, uh, every weekend, um, I can certainly see that there's still a very strong, at least for my area, the North shore area, the, um, kind of the upper North shore area that I'm, that I've been monitoring. The competition is still very strong, and I'm certainly not seeing only one bidder. Again, this doesn't represent the whole market. Perhaps there are certain pockets of market that have started to show this. Um, So it really depends. But, you know, broadly speaking, I think if we're looking at the auction figures at the moment, clearance rates are still sitting at around over 80% for Sydney. Right, so it's still a very strong auction market as at this point in time. So, I, oh, look, I, I probably would beg to defer at this point in time. And again, I understand where his point is coming from. It, it, not all areas are seeing the same uh, in in Australia, and as such, you know, I, I might just be lucky enough to be in one of the <laughs> one of the very popular and competitive markets uh, in Sydney. Whereas, if you go out maybe to a uh, to a more of a western Sydney type of scenario you know if a vendor doesn't want to take it out and uh, there's only one bidder then sure that would that would probably apply so it's a gen- it's a generalization to a, to a degree it depends on where it is um but I, I you yeah, know just based on my observation at the moment and also still seeing some crazy prices selling around my hood I have to say I do beg to differ you know, on that point that's my opinion what about you John what do you reckon?
0: Yeah, I think it's the only point in his article I disagree with, really. Okay. So, you know, more property sold prior. It actually, I think, reinforces how hot it is. I mean, people are moving so quickly that uh, they'll have a very short auction campaign, say two or three weeks, which is quite short. Yeah. And they'll usually sell by the you know end of the first or second weeks. <laughs> um, now, I, I, I bought a property for a client this week, and there were three of us, but it was a it was a it was a it was purchased quietly before auction, Mm. Um, but there were three competitive bidders. So I don't think necessarily that uh, being sold prior to auction means that it isn't competitive. Uh, There there are, you know, there are multiple uh, stakeholders when these uh, properties are being sold before auction and there are reasons why they they sell them before.
1: I think the demand is still very, very strong. If I'm not mistaken, John. So, you know, that's why I, I do, I do hold a bit of, skepticism when when you're saying only one party is interested because that doesn't represent the whole. It just means there could be a lot more competition before it goes to the auction, which yeah. is what we're seeing. And as you said, you know, um, a very short auction campaign, which on average is about three weeks now, um, yeah, you know, sure. like they are very, very short. So, you know, what they, I think, I think a part of the real estate agent strategy here is try to get them, try to get everybody interested and at the peak level, you know, hold up probably two or three opens. And then at the peak level, Let's get it all. Let's get it all uh, padded out and see who's going to be the winner.
0: Mm. Mm. I mean, we know that buyers get nervous before auctions, but I think what we forget uh, to to appreciate is that sellers get very nervous before auctions as well. And the the pre auction offer is often the bird in the hand, and it's something that can save them face. Or save them embarrassment on Mm. the day of an auction. Uh, So there's a lot of reasons to take a pre-auction offer if if it's if it's strong. Um, But it's uh, auctions are very nerve-wracking for vendors.
1: Yes. I know, uh, and, and <laughs> I've had those a few of those nights myself before I bought my property, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> on Friday night, you'd be like, oh, well, okay, well, let's revisit our budget again, you know, like, what do we need? And oh, so I totally understand where they're coming from. But it's a good point that the seller also, um, you know, want to make sure they achieve the best outcome. So they might be considering, oh, okay, well, I've got a few offers on the table already. Should I just take it? Do I have to take it at auction? That kind of stuff. So. No, that's a good point. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, I think in that sense, both of us are kind of on the same page. We, uh, we we do we do hold a bit of skepticism about that statement yes. in this case. What's our uh, What's our next point, John?
0: Point number two is stock levels are increasing. Now, this is true. Uh, we saw this. You know, that Super Saturday was the biggest yes. auction weekend ever. Uh, that was huge. To, that was the weekend before Easter. Before Easter, correct? Uh, absolutely true. Um, there's a saying in commodity trading that the the cure for high prices is high prices, <laughs> and I think that applies to to um, to real estate. So what we're saying is high prices are bringing sellers into the market. The sellers mm-hmm. brings supply, and supply uh, pushes the price down. Yeah. I mean, markets find balance. I, I think it's broadly speaking right. The, the big problem um, in the market has been a uh, lack of supply and high prices solve that problem. That's why you kind of need to let hot markets run their course because mm. they put themselves out through br- bringing, you know, more supply into the market. Uh uh yeah so it's true but the moment prices drop the sellers leave the market so it kind of self balances out a little bit um but i think it's a re- i think it's a reasonable point and i think he's I, th- I think if his point is not that the market goes down but that the market stabilizes um and goes up more slowly from here then i think he's absolutely right and that that is a key driver that there's going to be more supply what, yeah. what, what's your take there?
1: Yeah, look, I, I agree with you, mate. I think I think it comes down to everyone's interpretation about that statement. I think it mm. has plateaued, right? That's probably the key where most of the argument's coming from, right? So it's, well, I guess our interpretation and, and what should you say, my interpretation of this is it's the velocity of the increase has slowed. It doesn't necessarily mean that the price is now starting to take a turn, Okay. Into going into negative figures. So, you know, we've been covering a lot of the core logic figures, um, as they, as they're being released on monthly data or even weekly data. Uh, I think what Tom was trying to say here is it's still going to be going up. However, don't expect to be seeing something like a 3.4% in the whole month. Um, you know, that type of crazy growth, which 3.4% could represent a whole year's growth for certain markets, right? In such a short period of time, we have such a spurge, um, and, and the reason for that is because now that, as you mentioned, John, uh, a lot more people are putting their um, houses on the market because they're seeing that there's, there's be higher prices as well. Um, and therefore, um, that increases supply and uh, people's got more options to choose from. And when we do that, the house prices start to get to dampen. So it doesn't go sharply up anymore. It starts to dampen. But the overall trend, because of the basic economy, the demand is still a lot more than supply. It's still going to be trending up. It's a soft trend, not a sharp increase is the way I look at it. So I think on that point, um, I do agree with you as well, uh, Anton, Tom, uh, in, in that sense to say that uh, I'm certainly seeing that the supply, there's more supplies available for buyers um, and um, yeah, the competition, I mean, I think we'll, we'll find out because I think the the reason why there's a lot more supplies coming up as well is because the seller's expectation has been lifted up too. Yes. So they're now kind of starting to, it will be very interesting actually personally for me to see whether there will be more properties that will get passed in for the next few yep. weeks in the auction because mm-hmm. of unrealistic vendor expectations. I wonder, yeah. which kind of, I kind of jumped to sell ahead because that's probably the fear of overpaying, isn't it? That's our fourth point mm-hmm. <laughs> to a degree. Um, but um, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, so sorry, John.
0: No, that, that's, that's, that's an excellent point because an auction clearance rate, I mean, we use it as a bit of a leading indicator to say whether prices are going up and whether demand's exceeding supply, but actually really what it's telling you is whether buyer and seller price expectations are aligned. Mm. If you really want to know if the prices are going up, you have to look at the measure that tells you whether it's sold over reserve or under reserve because anything can sell, anything can clear, quote unquote, but it's whether it's selling over reserve to tell you if, it, if, if the prices are going up. Correct. Um, before we get to FOMO, actually, uh, yeah. the third point was interest rates creeping up. Okay. This is this is your patch, Dave. Is that is that true? Um, I mean, the ten-year yield has been creeping up, um, which sort of leads into other interest rates. But
1: uh, yeah, look, I think I think this comes back from the, the fact that um, uh, CBA started raising their four-year fixed rates. I think about a week or two ago. Mm. So beforehand, you know, for own occupiers, they can get a four-year fixed at one point nine nine, as low as one point nine nine for the next four years. CBA has taken the lead in terms of bumping that back up to a two, something started with a two, and um, essentially a lot other lenders have since followed. So I think the message that the bank has actually given to the borrowers is that, hey, uh, take advantage of the low fixed rate in the next few years. However, in the longer run, the interest rate is still going to go up. So that's, a, that's more of a sentiment change than anything because the borrowers now see and they go, oh, okay, so I've only got to enjoy maybe the next couple of years of low interest rate and then ultimately, you know, uh, the interest rate may start creeping back up again. Does that mean we should be paying that much? Okay? It, it makes them, it triggers that uh, to make them think and consider go, okay, the low rate environment is not here going to stay forever and we know that, but I think most of the um, borrowers especially when they've got so many things to think about um, and also the competition pressure and so on this gives them a bit of strike on the head and go you know hey you need to plan for the worst or such so I think that's what Tom is, is kind of indicating here it's not really about the short-term interest rate because of the uh, the, the term funding facility which RBA has provided thanks uh, for the next two to three years, they're still going to get cheap money at 0.1%. So literally free money for the banks to be able to dishing it out. And that's why everyone at the moment is still enjoy uh, such a low interest rate for fixed rate. Okay, um, It's because of that support. But at one point in time, and this is what the RBA was indicating, after the TFF or the term funding facility is been removed, obviously they need to start sourcing their own funds again. And at that point in time, it won't be a 0.1% funding source. And therefore... Um, interest rate is going to go back up, but not immediately, is what mm-hmm. is what we're saying here. So yeah, so I think overall it is just something that uh, uh, um, that causes a bit of a sentiment change for buyers, and as such they may hesitate to go. Okay, well let's revisit our budget again just to make sure that we can cater, we can weather the storm when and, and well as when the interest rate does go up.
0: Has there been a has there been a change in the way Australians in, invest and borrow? Because I, 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 a lot of people are on fixed rate uh, mortgage repayments at the moment, but Australia's yes. tr- traditionally been variable. Interestingly, America is very heavily uh, fixed. Mm-hmm. They've always had fixed, and that changed after the the GFC actually. <laughs> okay. um, uh, and I'm not sure if it's related, but 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 America dispositionally has always had fixed rates. We've yep. always had variable rates. Now our rates are fixed as well, by and large. Has is, is that been by design? I mean, is there a
1: reason why we've... Does it make sense? Look, I think uh, um, I think I saw data from CBA the other day that, uh, you know, after the COVID, a lot of people have actually jumped up, even investors have jumped on mm. the fixed rates. You know, to your point, traditionally, me as an investor, I will keep everything variable. But... The variable rate at the moment it just cannot compete with what the fixed rate offerings are. So it's more for cash flow management in a sense, and you can fix it as low as one, you know, one year, and you can still get a two in front, right? Mm. For most of the major banks. Whereas if you leave it on variable, it's free or sometimes even four, depending on how long you've had it. So from a cash flow management perspective, they go, well, it's only one year. I'm not thinking about selling in the next year or so. Or I'm not thinking about refinancing. I'm just gonna do one year fixed rate. Then. That's gonna that's gonna basically bring more extra cash flow into your um, into your portfolio and mm-hmm. uh, make it easier to hold, as such. So, I think there is a fundamental shift because previously we've never seen, from we've never seen fixed rates so low in comparison to variable. It's usually fixed rates usually higher. In, in that sense, if I'm not mistaken, right? So that's why um, I, I'm seeing, you know, we're following, we're probably following the US uh, in a sense that a lot more people are looking at, even investors, like my clients, some of my clients go, I can fix it for as low as 26 or 2.7% interest only for the next few years. I'm going to take my money and I'm going to put it into shares or have something that has a better return. Even 4 to 5% return is probably better than just putting it in an offset account. So, in the US, they can fix it for 30 years. I've heard. <laughs> oh, I think that's probably more than said. That's nuts. I know. It's if yeah. anyone's got a 30 year fix like that, uh, let me know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, the, the, the fourth point is, uh, is the FOMO point, which is, or well, the FOOP point. <laughs> so, FOMO has a friend. It's called the fear of overpaying. Um, so presumably this, this is sort of saying that we're just becoming a little bit more cautious. We're becoming a little bit more conscious of, Mm. of prices. Whereas maybe six months ago when the market was just starting to, to, to tick up, um, the, you know, you, you pay anything, even if you paid a little bit over, you were still paying, um, you know, you know, you were still safe, but now there's that, that sort of safety buffer that Warren Buffett talks about that, Mm. uh, that that's maybe that's gone. Uh, what do you think of that?
1: Yeah, look, I think, um, people are starting to, to come to realization that, um, uh, I mean, to, in, in, certain markets, um, prices, the, the real price, if you compare to what's being sold in the last three months has probably jumped around 20 or 30% mm. easy. So, you know, whilst the core logic data doesn't quite necessarily reflect that because it was covering a lot wider range of properties, But the reality is some areas have already jumped up 20 30% in the short matter of, say, three to six months. So, you know, that's when people go, well, my budget is only so much and now that I'm seeing every week, I'm constantly being pushed out, right? So, um, and yes, while there's still a factor of trying to get it in, but they're starting to accept the reality that this is the new norm. For this new price round is is kind of the norm, and they're going to start going right. Am I going to be overpaying now because of the fact that it's already this much higher? And every week, people are still pushing it to the next level. You know, every time when I come out and when I talk to people, when I talk to like people who's been uh, bidding, and they're, they're like, "That's just a nuts results, right? Like, how can why is why is it keeps going up so high?" Um, so. Uh, to a point where people get discouraged and they're starting to, you know, plus all those factors that's been that, that we discussed before about the potential longer term interest rate start to go out that factors in to say, well, uh, start to make people think, is this, am I going to be overpaying? And I can tell you when I was myself purchasing at that time, you know, a few weeks ago, I was exactly in the same condition. Every week I'll look back, I'll get as much data. I'll look at it and I go, how much is the actual intrinsic value you know, in terms of what I think it's worth and how much more do I need to add on in order to be able to get the property? Now, everyone probably would have, have to do that to a level before they, they go to an auction, right? You might have to add another 20% on top. Say, for example, the property is worth $1.1 million and, you know, you think that the price guy is around $1.1, you might have to add another 10 k 100 k on top to so make it $1.2. But um, is that enough? You know, I think that's why they go, well, I've already added 20% buffer in terms of what I think the actual value is. If I add more, am I going to be overpaying? And then all of a sudden they started going into the mindset retracting. Okay, well, maybe I should just stick with 1.2 instead. What do you think, John? Well, when the market's at its all-time high,
0: it's hard to know it's hard to see beyond the horizon. Like it's very, very difficult. So, um, in real estate, most people, unless you're buying in 2018, you're buying at the record high for that property. General, generally speaking, I mean, mm-hmm. there are people who have made losses in property for sure. But generally speaking, you know, uh, if you've held it for anything longer than three years, you've bought at the all-time high. Yep. For that Property, and, and that's that's a uh, uh, that's tough to get your head around. People don't like to feel like they're overpaying. But every time you go to an auction, you can't be the average bidder, you have to be the highest bidder. So every time you go to an auction, you're overpaying by $5,000. <laughs> and that, that is a very difficult concept for people. So um, so at all-time highs, uh, it's hard to know if this market has a lot more to run or if it's going to peter out. My personal view is it's had longer to run. Um, and the reason I think that is because there was some data that came out this week, which which sort of tried to settle nerves to say, look, in Sydney, for example, we're only 2.6% above the all-time highs back in 2017, mm. touching this last week. Um, uh, Brisbane, 6% above the all-time highs uh, set in t- 2017. Perth is 15.9% below the all-time highs,
1: mm.
0: 16%, and, and Darwin is uh, 21% below the all-time highs. So real estate's a very local um, asset class. It's a very local asset class, so it's very difficult to say the property market is um, running out of steam. Yes. You know, presumably Tom Pounders was talking about Sydney, actually, but Sydney's only 2.6 percent above the 2017 highs. Um, and while I think he's right, the people are becoming more price conscious, my overall um, my overall thought on on his article is that. This is going to have longer to run. But if he's saying that the, it's going to be running higher at lower velocity and lower intensity, then I, th- I think he's spot on. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned, you used the word velocity before, I think it's spot on. And you also mentioned that March was 3.5% growth in one month. That's not going to continue. No. Property's going to do what property does, which is half a percent a month on average, which means some months down, some months up.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely right. And I think <clears throat> just tying to that with my personal experience as well, um, that's one of my reasons in, 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 one of the tips that I give to my clients and listeners is that, um, if you go to auction, it's pretty much guaranteed a 10 to 20% on top, uh, in, in almost all instances, right. Unless there's seriously some spot with the property itself. Um, and the best tactic is try to actually negotiate it before it even goes to auction. Mm. Um, you know, because you, 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 you risk as soon as it goes to auction, you're basically you're, you're being forced into a competition, which you may not necessarily win. Um, and the best way is, you know, um, try to win it and try to negotiate it before it goes to auction and take it off the market as soon as you can. I think that's probably the best strategy to counter against the follow-up. (laughs) <laughs> Even though you're still going to be overpaying a bit, but it just comes down to how much more you need to overpay. It might be 30% more than your original budget if you go to an auction, but it might be 20% more um, if you actually, you know, if, if the offer does get accepted by the vendor before it goes to an auction. So that's my personal strategy in that sense. Yeah, there's a concrete truck outside
0: my house, which is uh, why well, I'm <laughs> looking out the window. Uh, the... the um, I agree with you about try to get a, you know, I always put an offer in before auction yeah because I want to buy it before auction, though I do, but because I want to know that we're, I want them to know we're serious and I want to see to the table. Yes. So if someone comes in with this crackerjack uh, fantastic offer, uh, I want them to know to call me and, tactically having it, having the alternative offer is one way to, to have that done. So mm. you want to see to the table and, and what, what a lot of, um, you know, other people, you know, what happens to people all the time is that they they call the agent back a week later and they say uh, that property that you mentioned, they said, well, it's sold now. So said, well, why didn't you call me? And they said, well, I didn't know you're interested. So, <laughs> you, you know, that, that's all these tactics that you talk
1: about yeah. are,
0: are ways to avoid that happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ma- maximizing your chance of basically securing the property um, is, is what we all need to do here in a, in a kind of booming market. So mm. so what's your overall take on the Tom Panels thing? We've been through the four factors.
0: Uh, what, the, this concept that it's running out of steam, what do you think?
1: Uh, look, I think uh, certainly uh, I do agree there's an element of truth in his, uh, in his four arguments. Uh, but I, I think, again, you know, this is not one property market. So it's a bit difficult to generalize, uh, on that. The next few weeks, uh, in terms of the data will actually tell us whether it's true or not. Um, cause we will I mean, you know, what the, the core logic data that's to this week so far, I think Sydney is sitting around 0. 0.4, 0.5% ish. So if we say times that by four weeks, that's about 2% analyze it. Right. Um, so that's about 2% and that's what almost 50% less than uh, what we are seeing last month. So, potentially there is already a velocity slowing down, uh, as, as, what we, as what we mentioned before. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know. I think it, there's a few factors that's come in here. Um, price, some prices has already gone beyond what the buyers are willing to pay. And therefore they're moving more into a fall type of mode. In other words, I'm not going to bid, I'm just going to watch and see what's going to happen. So they're, re- they're retracting themselves from part of the competition. Um, so it's a bit difficult to tell. Um, with the amount of supply that's coming on, we just have to monitor carefully about the data stats uh, in the next few weeks to see whether that is true. Traditionally, I think we are moving into a quieter season after April now, isn't it? So we're, we're kind of moving into the winter season, which traditionally is, is going to start to slow down. Um, so may, that may have an impact as well. What do you reckon, John?
0: Uh, oh, I... Th-
1: I th- I think it depends where you, you've anchored your
0: expectations. So if you're, mm. if, um, you know, this, the timing of this article came at the end of March, beginning of April, and our anchor is that we're doing 3.4% growth per month. <laughs> right. So if that's, if that's the baseline, then there's a, steam will come out of this market. I still think that it'll overperform over historical averages mm-hmm. for a couple of years. So I think my, my, my kind of broad thesis is that uh, we the markets are rising between now and 2025, give or take a year, I could be, I could be out yeah, like you would Um 2025, give or take a year, and um, and I think it broadly speaking does above average uh, growth. So if, if average growth is seven percent growth per annum for houses, yep. uh, I think over that time it'll do start you know eight or nine percent. But 2021 will be huge. 2021 will be let's say 15 percent and then it'll normalise to 8% for, for the, a couple of years after that. But it'll still be higher than average growth rates because, of, mm. yeah, um, it'll still be higher than average growth rates. So I, I kind of half I half agree with Tom. I mean, Tom, Tom's, like, really, you know, switched on in this space, so he, he knows um, what he's talking about. Uh, but I think it might run a little bit hotter, a little bit longer. Um, and it, that said, cr- credit fueled asset um uh booms do end badly so I, I have no idea when that is and what that looks like
1: but uh until macro potential yeah, that's policies right. comes into yeah. play isn't it that's when yeah i think i think saying, real estate I will see. continue to do to do well for a couple of years um do you i mean you did mention tom was a real estate coach so he coaches real estate agents is that yeah. right um, and this article was published on, do you know the papers or was it local papers or? Uh, I don't remember the paper. I saw it on LinkedIn. Okay. Is there a possibility that this could be a tactic for more sellers to put on the market, to go on market? Mm. Kind of go, because, you know, like the first, if you're, look, we've been looking at it as a buyer perspective. That switch gears a little bit. If I'm a seller looking at this and without, knowing exactly what's happening in the market. I mean, everyone will see that it's going, achieving record highs, record highs, record highs. We all know it's not sustainable. And then me as a seller looking at it, Is the real estate boom already running out of steam or should, should I actually uh, take my property and, and put it on market as soon as I can? Is that a tactic for real estate agents to be able to get more um, listings in the current market? I mean, I had to put it as a bit of a contrarian. Yeah, yeah, I think. yeah, yeah.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Always looking at it from all the sides. Oh, look, I don't think so. I think I he's think so? giving his opinion. I think it's an informed opinion. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Possible, but uh, yeah, I think he's giving a, an informed opinion. Yep.
1: Fair enough. Okay. All right. Uh, that's, um, yeah, so I think that's uh, that's pretty much um, uh, about all the articles. Is there anything else you want to cover around that? No, or good. Oh,
0: you know, I'd, I'd just say to our listeners that we always say to look at the ten-year treasury yield. That uh, plummeted last night. Mm. So it was up around one point seven and a half percent. It's down around one point five. It's a big drop. So the markets went up. Gold and silver went up. So watch, watch the yield. When um, when the ten-year treasury yield it's moves, fluctuating crazy again, isn't it? Yeah, so when I mean, it when it moves big up or down, things are about to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen this time, John?
0: <laughs> I, think that, I, I think that they're um, – I think that – I think that they want this uh, party to run a bit longer and yeah. so they're
1: trying to, to – to, I think that the – Try to lower the 10-year treasury yield again, isn't it? Yeah.
0: So yield curve control is is already in place uh chairman Powell spoke this week uh i reckon yield, yield yield curve control is already in place and i think that they know that higher interest rates um is like taking the punch bowl away so they need it to run a little bit longer
1: mm. very good all right well uh we'll call that a wrap for this week and uh thank you john for your uh, insights again uh for our listeners and uh All right, so uh, for our listeners, uh, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, If you've got any questions, any feedback, uh, make sure you send it through to sparkyourfirepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, as always, about what you'd like us to discuss more, what you'd like us to talk about more or less, or what do you want us to stop, you know, start, stop, that kind of stuff. Um, But apart from that, stay safe, take care, and uh, we'll see you again in next week's Friday Wrap. Cheers.